Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Evan Wepler. I'm the elementary children's pastor here at CBC. If it's your first time here, uh, we're glad that you're able to, to be here with us. Um, now, last week, uh, the message I gave was uh, entitled Rise and Sing, uh, and that was kind of inspired by one of our VBS songs we sang through the week, and we sang last Sunday. And so uh, today, our, our theme is Rise and Shine, uh, as we look at a life changed by Jesus. And so I think, what better way for us to start off today than to sing an old Sunday school song? So if you know it, you can sing along, and if you don't, it's, it's very easy. I bet you can, you can follow along. So it goes like this. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, children of the Lord. Great job. I even saw some hand motions over there, so wonderful job. So uh, that song reminds us that we are called to shine. Uh, Jesus actually says this. Uh, on the Sermon of the Mount, let your light shine before others, they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So let me ask you this. What are some things that shine? Go ahead and just, there's your chance to shout out in church. So shout out some different examples of lights or things that are bright or emit lights. Go ahead. What do we have? Stars. Flashlights. Your face. Headlights. Lamps. Fireworks. Oh, fireworks. Yeah, candle. Okay, very good answers. Very good. So what about fireworks? Uh, I mean, I think we're going to be probably have heard some this weekend already. Raise your hand if you're shooting off some fireworks this weekend. Anybody in here? Now, I, I have to admit, I haven't shot off many fireworks in my life. Uh, my family is kind of a little careful with those. Um, but uh, they are pretty exciting, right? Fireworks uh, make us look up, and they're beautiful as they kind of color the sky. They're bright and loud and, and proud and uh, I wonder, what does it mean if we think about this verse in the context of fireworks? Uh, we c- sometimes can think about people who have shined their light for God. Uh, maybe in the, the, the Bible, we have people like Peter and Esther and Daniel who did brave things for God. Or we think of Christians through history like Martin Luther and Billy Graham who did great things to impact the world and help people know Jesus. Uh, fireworks rise and shine and they make us go, Ooh, and ah. Here, let's try that. Everybody go, ooh, ooh, and ah. (laughs) And so we think about fireworks, how exciting they are. Um, And sometimes we think that our lives maybe need to resemble fireworks. Uh, When people look at us, maybe they need to see the brightness and the big things that God's doing. Uh, When people see us, we sometimes get caught in the thought that we have to be so kind or so smart or just have everything together so that when they see us, they see Jesus. When our lives are bright and joyful and everything's good, then they see Jesus in us. And that's good. We want our lives to be together. But sometimes um, if we think about focusing on keeping up appearances and keeping all our problems and having them all together, uh, we can lose our focus off of Jesus and on simply trying to look good before others. Um, It's less about bringing praise to our Father in Heaven, more about praise to us. It's more about us bringing a focus on ourselves, making ourselves the center of attention. You see, our lives sometimes don't resemble fireworks, but we have a desire to to do big things and to have great plans for our lives. I'm sure you can all think of something that you wanted to do, and maybe that didn't always happen. Um, Now, I'm a big movie guy, and I love movies because they 
get real exciting and we see these big stories, these powerful relationships on this big screen or on the small screen. And so there's one person that you might have heard of or seen on a screen before, and I'm going to name a few movies he's been in and see if you, see if you uh, can figure out who it is. Uh, he played Jean Valjean. Uh, his first role was Jesus in Pilgrim's Progress. He's played Hannibal Smith, Zeus, Good Cop, Bad Cop in the Lego movie, Brian Mills, the voice of Aslan in Chronicles of Narnia, Raz al Ghul, Oscar Schindler, and Qui-Gon Jen. So if you didn't know, that is the actor Liam Neeson. He's had a pretty exciting life, almost like a character in one of his movies. He uh, was almost a priest, and he was a boxer and a teacher before turning to acting, and he even auditioned for the role of Fezzik in The Princess Bride. Um, and we see in these powerful characters in these movies uh, th this kind of graph that we'll see across plays and books and movies uh, where things start off in a very simple place. Uh, and then someone is brought into this great action. They're called to adventure, and it finally comes to a big climax, and then there's falling action and resolution. And now everything gets wrapped up nice and neatly, almost like when the hobbits go back to the Shire, or Rocky and Adrian are hugging and declaring their love for each other, and then everything gets wrapped up nice and neat. Uh, and there's even people uh, like Donald Miller, the author of Blue Like Jazz, who tries to tell us that, you know, our lives need to be like stories so we can have these big, bold stories for God. But life isn't always like that. This isn't always neat. We don't always see that type of resolution. In fact, today we're looking at the story of a man whose story doesn't exactly look like this. A man who God did great things for and great things in his life. And we see the impact of what God did in him. But he didn't have like a, a movie star life. His, his life is full of drama and action and, and comedy and emotion. Um, but it's unlike many others. You see, this man was not a preacher or a teacher, an inspirational leader. But he had a life that was changed by God and his name was Lazarus. And I'm sure many of you have heard his story before. And as we explore his story today, we want to take a step back and look at what the comic book movies and stories say is his origin story. So where did he come from? So let's go ahead and look at his hometown, his family, and his friends. So if we look in John 11, we learn a little bit about Lazarus. He was from Bethany, uh, which the town's name either means house of affliction or very less dramatic, house of figs. Um, and we don't know much about it because it's the first time it's mentioned in the Gospels. It was a small town outside of Jerusalem, almost like a suburb. It was the Cyprus to Houston's Jerusalem. Um, and then there's been debate about its specific location, but there has been a, a tradition that's been established. And this story has been so powerful in this town that the actual name that people call it in that region is Al-Azaria, which means the place of Lazarus. Now, we know also that Lazarus had family, uh, Mary and Martha. I'm sure you can describe them based on the stories that you've heard of them. Uh, here's words that we might use to describe Mary. Passionate, devoted, listener, emotional. Martha, she was serious, a hard worker, hospitable, take charge. And yet Lazarus, we don't know very much about Lazarus. Uh, he is kind of a character in a story, um, and he has his own story, but we don't learn a lot about him. One thing we do see in this passage as well is that Lazarus had friends, most notably Jesus and his disciples. Now, the Bible talks about God's love, and Christ talks about his love for his disciples, um, but the phrase, Jesus loved, agape, from the word agape, is used only to describe the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is, we believe, the author of this gospel, John, and also these three, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And that says a lot that Jesus loved these three. 
And even more, as we go further on in verse 11, it says that the phrase, our friend, is used only to describe Lazarus, Philos Hemon, the friend of us. So he was not only loved by Jesus, but by the disciples also. We see that throughout the Gospels, as Jesus would travel to Jerusalem, he'd often go and spend the night in Bethany. And you can imagine how much time they spent together building relationships um, becoming family in many ways. So this is a good start for Lazarus' story, wouldn't you say? He's a nobody from a small town. There's almost like Peter being called from his nets to be a fisher of men, or maybe Bilbo suddenly being called on an incredible journey with some dwarves. Uh, We see the start of this inciting action. A man named Lazarus was sick. And we've seen countless movies and stories about people that fought sickness and disease and overcome it. And we see that Jesus was called to help him, and we've seen Jesus heal people countless times. And so surely this is going to be a great resolution, right? Um, But then we see this. After he'd said this, he went on to tell the disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and he goes on to say that Lazarus is dead. Jesus does not rush back to Bethany to save the day. There's no dramatic scene of him arriving just in time to heal him and stop him from dying. No, Lazarus dies. The story of Lazarus has stopped before it even began. If it was a graph, it might be something more like this. Rise and fall, and that's it. But there's more to this story. Now, we talked about Liam Neeson earlier. Do you know that Liam Neeson has announced plans to quit acting many times in his life? Back in 1999, and 2015, and 2017, and 2021, and even this year, he's announced plans to quit acting, and yet he keeps coming back. Uh, Years ago, we thought his time of being an actor, an action star, was over uh, until he got his role in the movie Taken. Uh, And now he says, I love this, this quote from him. He says, they started sending me action scripts, and you'd see leading man, age 37, crossed out, and late 40s, early 50s, written in instead. (laughs) I feel very privileged and a little bit guilty. I'm having fight scenes with guys half my age, and I just can't stop laughing. (laughs) So Liam Neeson thought he was too old for action movies, but just like that, we could imagine that Lazarus' story is done. He's, He's dead and gone. And yet, we see redemption in his story. It's just the beginning of Lazarus' story. And really, this story is not about Lazarus at all, but just as all the Gospels are, they're about Jesus. And we see Jesus has three encounters as he makes his way to Lazarus' tomb. His first encounter is with the disciples. And he's constantly trying to open their eyes and help them see the bigger picture. Uh, And so he helps them see that God's glory will be shown through this event. Uh, And if we can be like the disciples and trust Jesus and follow him, we could be like Thomas, who we know is doubting Thomas, and yet here Thomas is ready to lay down his life as they go back to Judea, where people are probably going to attack them and possibly kill them. But Jesus tries to open up the disciples' eyes for them to see something bigger, something deeper than what they understand. And then we see an encounter with Martha. Uh, If you would, let's go ahead and read um, these verses together, starting in 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But now I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection 
and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. And so we see this transformation in Martha. The, the woman who had to have everything together and had to be busy serving people. She probably had countless people at her house, and yet she chooses to leave them all behind and go meet Jesus out in the open and confront him with the words, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And we can say the same things to God as we see pain in our lives or in, in the world. God, where were you? But Martha declares her faith in Jesus, and that there is hope for the resurrection, and that he is the Messiah, the God, uh, the Son of God who has come for Israel. Martha has hope, and yet Jesus gives her more hope and says that she no longer, not just has future, future hope, but she has hope for today. That the resurrection that the Jews had faith in but didn't really understand, he was there. The resurrection and the life was there in the flesh, walking among them, God incarnate. And so Jesus finally encounters Mary. And it says that after uh, she'd said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. We don't see that in the verses, but we know that Jesus cares about Mary as well. He cares about all of them. And so Mary comes to Jesus, and she says the same things that Martha said. If you had been there, my brother would not have died. Mary, the one who sat at Jesus' feet, is so overwhelmed and overcome that she can't see this hope that even Martha has. And yet, Jesus, the teacher, has nothing to teach her in that moment. He sees her weeping, and he enters into her, her, her suffering, her pain. Uh, there were professional mourners that people would come and, and mourn with a family when they lost someone. And so he saw these professional mourners who probably had no connection to the family, and he saw their sympathy that they were showing, and instead he showed compassion, suffering with, the type of love that we see at Calvary. Sorry, Calvary. Uh, and so we, uh, we go on. Would you read these verses with me? When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And so Jesus comes, and he enters into that pain, and he weeps alongside the sisters. He cared about Lazarus, cared deeply, and yet he still did this so that God's glory would be seen. And finally, we get to the point where Lazarus actually gets to star in his own story, and we see what he actually gets to do. And so we step forward to see what Lazarus does next. And this is really where his story gets real exciting. Uh, if you read with me, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you were always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen, 
and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And so Lazarus's big scene in the movie of his life is taking a couple steps. When Jesus says, come out come, or come forth, as some translations say, he obeys. And that's it. That's really all the action that we see in the story of Lazarus. It's not very exciting. It's not really Liam Neeson action. Uh, in the story, in fact, it says that he, he might even stink. That's why uh, Martha was a little concerned about him coming up. But this story is not over. Uh, usually in the story chart, we get resolutions as things slow down and wrap up. But Lazarus' story ramps up right as it ends. And we continue reading in uh, John 12 that they had a celebratory meal. And it doesn't seem to be for Lazarus, but for Jesus, who came back into town. And in this meal, Mary anoints Jesus with perfume. Um, and we know that uh, Jesus had the term Messiah or Christ, which meant anointed one, just as David was anointed as the king of Israel. And yet, it's interesting, because this perfume, they say, uh, was very expensive, and Mary didn't choose to use it for Lazarus. She saved it for Jesus. I wonder if she knew that this day was coming, the day of his death. You see, Mary and Martha's stories are so much more interesting than Lazarus in many ways. We see this motion, we see this transformation in them. And yet the people in the time, you know who they found captivating? Of course, they came from all around to see Jesus, but they also wanted to see Lazarus. Now, Martha was known as a fabulous host, and, and Jesus said that people would tell the story of Mary wherever the gospel was shared but Lazarus was the man that everyone wanted to meet. Now, we don't know what he looked like after he came out of the tomb. Did he still have signs of his sickness or, or decomposition? Or was he fully restored, maybe even youthful? We don't really know. Was it obvious that he'd come back to life? Or was it simply his story, his witness? I was dead, and now I'm alive. But we know that just as the woman at the well, just as her testimony compelled people to come meet Jesus, Lazarus' story also drew many to come and meet the Messiah. You see, his witness was such a, such a powerful impact on the people of the time that not only were the people talking about him, but the leaders of the Israelites, the leaders, the Pharisees, the chief priests, even the high priest were scheming in darkness because they couldn't stand what Jesus was doing. It says that they were plotting to kill Jesus, but suddenly someone else was on their radar, Lazarus. A nobody from a small town whose only offense was being alive. His existence threatened their power, so he had to go. You see, Lazarus was impacting many lives by simply being alive. It says that many people came to see Lazarus. And in verse 11, on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. Could that be true of your life? Because of you, because of the account of your life, many people are going to believe in Jesus. We read further on in John 12, it says, as Jesus arrives in Jerusalem, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. And many people, because they had heard that he performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Lazarus did no great things for God. But his life was changed by Jesus, and people wanted to come see a life that had been so changed. And so, if we were to graph Lazarus' story, it might look something more like this. 
It rises up, and we don't even know where it ends. Uh, Over time, they developed legends about Lazarus. Um, Some people said that he never smiled during the 30 years after the resurrection because he saw so many souls in hell. Or some say that he was forced to flee Judea because of the plots in his life, and he came to the island of Cyprus. Uh, Some say that Lazarus, Mary, and Martha were put out to sea by Jews hostile to Christianity in a vessel without sails, oars, or helm, and after a miraculous voyage, they landed in France. But these are legends. These are exciting stories, kind of like our movies that we watch. I wonder, what if Lazarus had just stayed in Bethany? What if Mary and Martha and, and he continued to welcome people into their home? What if he was simply a friend to others and a living witness of the power of Jesus? Would that be so wrong? You see, Jesus told his disciples that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so what if Lazarus's role in God's story was simply to be a witness where he was? Now, Jesus doesn't want us to, to, to stay in our status quo. He wants us to begin where we are and become more like him. But that may not be in a big, fantastic, firework type of way. That might be in simple, small changes, small relationships. It might be the influence that we have in our family or our, our people at our workplace. See, we're all at different places in life, but God can work in each of us. Um, He has a great story that he's telling, and he gives us freedom to choose. And so we all have a choice of whether we will stay in the tomb, just as Lazarus had a choice. Jesus commanded him to come out, to come forth, and Lazarus stepped forth. He obeyed, and Jesus transformed his life and the lives of many who heard his story. So we have a choice as well. Now, the tomb is used as an image of of different things. And so we can see uh, these different things that the tomb can, can represent. And I wonder where you are in your life as you look at this. Think about this command to come out of the tomb. Are you stuck in the power of sin and death? Um, for those who haven't trusted yet in Christ, this is where you are. And yet Jesus offers new life. He offers resurrection for any who believe. Are you stuck in the darkness of temptation? Are you going back into the cave, even though positionally you've trusted in Jesus and you're seated with him in the heavens, but here on earth, you still have a choice to either follow or turn back, just like a dog returns to his vomit. Are you stuck in the the darkness of temptation? Because Jesus does promise in Hebrews that there is always a way out, that he provides a way out. The one who faced temptation and overcame could help us in our temptation. Are you facing the pain of a broken world? As we look around, we see a world that's been broken and it's not as, as God would want it to be, but because of our choice that he's given us, we see this pain. And we don't believe that Lazarus died because of sin or temptation, but simply because he was human, and this is the frailty of being human. We all face sickness and death and pain, and yet Jesus entered into that pain to redeem it, to take on the curse of sin and death, to take on our pain and give us new life. And so will you be like Lazarus and choose to come out of the tomb? Choose to be like Mary and Martha and and put your hope that Jesus still has a plan even as you face pain and brokenness. You see, Lazarus could have stayed in the tomb, but he would have missed out on so much. If you stay in your tomb, if you stay where you are in life and don't choose to step forward, to rise up and take a step towards Jesus, these are the things that you might miss out on. You see, we all have a choice to be a light. Um, We may not be fireworks. (laughs) We may not be exciting. uh, But God can use us to be a faithful flame. 
that directs people to Jesus. At our Stations of the Cross, we had back around Easter, um, there was a room that was very dark to remind us of the darkness of Good Friday. And in that room, there, were just enough, there was just enough light, and there was a, a row of candles um, in which you could have just enough light to make your way to the cross. And that's what we want our light to be. Not about us, as we have good deeds or we have our lives together, but simply for people to see the light of Jesus in us and for us to direct people to the cross. And today, I have some questions for you. And as you came in, you might have received uh, what I call a, a chunky bookmark. It's so big, you can't hide it in your Bible. It's going to stick out. Um, but as you uh, look at this, there's some questions I want you to think about. And there's space on the back for you to write. Um, and if you didn't get one as you came in, there's some on the way out. You can get a free uh, Kids Life pen if you want a, a cool pen. Um, but I want you to think about these questions. And think about where God has placed you and how you can use your story, your testimony to impact the lives of others. It's not about the things you do, but how can you let yourself be used by God to impact the lives of many? Lazarus didn't have an action movie life, and yet God used him to do great things, and God can use you as well. So we're going to listen to a song uh, by the band Cain called Rise Up, and during this time I encourage you to reflect on what you've heard and what God is doing in your life. And may you also choose to rise up come out of the tomb, and be a light for Christ. Let's go ahead and play that song. In the dark and all alone, growing comfortable, are you too scared to move and walk out of this tomb? Buried underneath the lies that you believed. Safe and sound, stuck in the ground, too lost to be found. You're just asleep, and it's time to leave. Come on and rise up, take a breath, you're alive. Dark. He's given us new resurrection. 
Take it off.